In this episode of This is Foster, I talk about the importance of time, the any benefit mindset, and how to get better at saying no. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Numbering days doesn't just mean recognizing that our days have a number. You will live a certain number of days, then you will pass away. If you live to be 75, you'll live roughly 27,000 days. If you're 20, you've already lived 7,300 of those days. So this isn't merely about the duration of your days, but how you spend those days. Charles Spurgeon, who was a pastor, is helpful here. He says, Men are led by reflections upon the brevity of time to give their earnest attention to eternal things. They become humble as they look into the grave, which is soon to be their bed. Their passions cool in the presence of mortality, and they yield themselves up to the dictates of unerring wisdom. But this is only the case when the Lord himself is the teacher. He alone can teach to real and lasting profit. How did you spend the last year of your life? Where did you invest your time, attention, and focus? It's worth pondering. How did you number your days? How will you number your days moving forward? A short life should be wisely spent, but there are no time machines and little time for regrets. What will you do with what you have left? I recommend you start with Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16. It says, Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Older translations use the phrase, uh, redeeming the time. Writing on these verses, Matthew Henry says, It is a great part of Christian wisdom to redeem the time. Good Christians must be good husbands of their time and take care to improve it to the best of purposes by watching against temptations, by doing good while it is in the power of their hands, and by filling it up with proper employment, which is one special protection from sin. They should make the best use they can of the present seasons of grace. Our time is a talent given us by God for some good end, and it is misspent in loss when it's not employed according to his design. If we have lost our time heretofore, we must endeavor to redeem it by doubling our diligence in doing our duty for the future. Amen. So how? How do you do that? How do you double your duty for the future? Let me give you some practical advice on how to do this. Mine from two books that I found helpful, uh, Deep Work and Essentialism. First in his book, Deep Work, Cal Newport talks about the concept of any benefit mentality. What is that? Newport explains the underlying presupposition. It goes like this. You are justified in using a network tool if you can identify any possible benefit to its use or anything you might possibly miss out on if you don't use it. Now, I see this mentality everywhere. Let me give you my favorite example, the news. I think the news is mostly a waste of time. Why? Neil Postman, one of my favorite authors, he captures my thinking in his book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. He says, most of our daily news is inert, consisting of information that gives us something to talk about, but cannot lead to any meaningful action. A news alert flashes across the screen, or there's some sort of topic trending on Twitter. It says, huge earthquake in China. So what? What does that have to do with me? I live in Ohio. I don't have any direct connection to China. I'm not a global aid worker. I'm not a missionary to China. I have no friends that are missionaries in China. I don't know anyone in China. I have zero personal connections to China. Do I have some indirect connections? Sure. 
But for the most part, this information is irrelevant to my day-to-day life. Now, this is the point where a Christian will argue, but, but, now you know how to pray for them. Okay. I suppose that is a slight benefit, but let's consider that in the light of opportunity costs. Opportunity costs is an economic principle which can be applied to any investment. It describes the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. Here we're talking about how to spend or invest your time. You choose to spend an hour or perhaps even hours on news for the gain of seconds or minutes of prayer for folks in China. That's the cited benefit. But what better opportunities did you lose out on? Where else could have you spent that time to gain better benefits? The question isn't if there is any benefit. You can cite small benefits from most activities. The question is, what is the good, the better, and the best use of your time? Answering that question takes discernment, and discernment usually requires a principle. And I like what Cal Newport says. He recommends uh, taking what he calls a craftsman approach. He says, identify the core factors that determine success and happiness in your profession and personal life. Adopt a tool only if its positive impacts on these factors substantially outweigh its negative impact. This has become one of my guiding principles. I've only added faithfulness to God ahead of success and happiness. As my responsibilities have increased, I've gotten brutal in my application of this principle. If the benefit from an activity or investment doesn't offset the opportunity cost, I simply kill it. Time and attention are our most precious resources. Choosing where to invest them is the key to a productive and often a happy life. Most importantly, I want to be able to stand before Jesus Christ and say, thank you for the talents and all the things you gave to me. I did my best to use these to glorify you. That's the real motivation. Now, as you age, your household grows, responsibilities increase almost exponentially, and time becomes even more of a precious resource. You can't do everything. Saying yes to one thing is saying no to another, and saying no is hard for a lot of people. That's why we get bogged down doing things that we don't really want to do while the things we should be doing get shoved to the side. So you must learn to say no and say it often. How do you get better at saying no? Here are five tips I've mostly adapted from Greg McKeown's book, Essentialism. Tip one. You're rejecting the decision, not the person. Remember that. You have to maintain that distinction. You can say no, both clearly and kindly. You may even decide to use a different approach than a blunt no. I appreciate the offer, but I'm booked up at the moment. Tip two, you must keep the trade-off in mind. By saying no here, you can say yes elsewhere. No's allow you to gift yourself time in the future to focus on God-given priorities. Do future you a favor. Discern between the trivial many and the important few. Be choosy. Tip three, you need to be okay with being temporarily unpopular. People like hearing yes. That's why we like saying it. No's can disappoint and anger. This too shall pass. People will come to respect you when you respect your own time more than being liked. Tip four, you need to give them an answer. People rather a blunt no over some non-committal response. I'll try to be there. I'll see if I can make it. Maybe, you know, etc. My rule is becoming, if it's not a definite yes, it's a no. Tip five, 
You can tell them what you can do as opposed to what you can't do. This is a no but approach. They ask, can you help me move Friday? You respond, no, but I can help you unpack on Saturday if that's helpful. Avoid the any benefit mindset. Learn how to say no. Time is precious. Redeem it wherever you can and invest it for the glory of God. Until next time, don't merely be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. I'm Michael Foster, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If it was a blessing to you, the best way you can help it out is to leave a rating, a review, or share it with a friend.